you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. your Bibles, turn uh, with me to Jeremiah. Um, Again, we've been on this season where we've been going through our life journal reading plan, which allows you to read through the Bible in a year if you so choose to read every single day, an Old Testament, New Testament passage. And um, and we're going to go back a little bit. We're going to be actually speaking from Jeremiah, a Old um, Testament uh, book, but it was from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah um, was a prophet. He wrote this um, probably about 600 years, approximately six to five, 50 years before Jesus comes uh, to earth. Isn't it interesting? I was, uh, we were worshiping today and the thought occurred to me, I wonder what God was thinking when he spoke through a person like Jeremiah. Prophet is this, basically they're a spokesperson for God. That God will find people who will be receptive to hear his voice and then will be the mouthpiece or the instrument that God uses to communicate to his people. Today, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, which allows us, we still have prophets today, but, but back in the day, people's spiritual ears weren't as in tune to what God was doing. And so he used people like Jeremiah to speak what was on God's heart. But I, I was thinking about this, that God was saying, you know what? These people, they, they, they wander away, they come back, they wander away, they come back. And it's like, how long? And it's like, Jesus, you're going to have to go to earth. You're going to have to go to this earth to show them my heart, to show them my way, to show them my love for them, and actually so much so that you're going to actually give your very life. And so uh, th- to me, this is just amazing that, that God would, would just kind of maybe be thinking about this 800 years or 700 years, 600 years before he came to earth, say, Jesus, you know, these people need, they need you. Well, anyways, in Jeremiah, before I get there, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter two. Uh, does anybody know um, how many days we can live without food? Without food. Well, you know what? Our body starts breaking down after about 20 days. So if you're online and you're guessing, you're guessing around 20, 30 days, you're right. Um, but okay, so that's food. But water is a different story. How many days can we live without water? true. Three or four days is all it is that we can live without water. Now, water is so important to us, and the scripture we're going to be reading is about water. Um, I'm going to tell you a story, though, ahead of time, because I grew up in an old farmhouse in um, Ontario. Uh, my, my family had a 100-acre kind of hobby farm, so we had horses, we had cattle, we had chickens, angora goats, we had just, um, we took off hay on in the summertime, so it was a great growing up experience. But in this old farmhouse, was a creepy part of a basement. There's one part, then you go through this other part. There's a dirt floor, is creepy, there's always cobwebs, but there was a cistern in this part of the house. Now, a cistern, if you know what it is, is basically a big container, typically concrete, that holds water. And, uh, and as a kid, I remember going in there, you have to get the cobwebs off your face as you're going in. It's dark, it's musty, and with a flashlight, and you're always, your mind's going wild, like somebody's dumped a body in here. You know, it's like, am I going to find bones? It's like, this would be the perfect place for somebody to get rid of somebody. <laughs> but as a kid, you know, your mind runs wild. But I've looked in a couple times, and there's a dead rodent floating. It's like, this is nasty. 
And a cistern, though, is just that. It's a stagnant body of water that just contained and typically not out in the light. And it, it was, it was um, just kind of a nasty, creepy place. So I, would, I didn't go there very often. But in the house that I live in now, I, for some reason I like, I guess, old houses. I live in a 1790s farmhouse, 1790 one part, 1820 the other part. And in this basement, though, it's a little different. I have piped into my basement a spring-fed line from a spring that is a quarter of a mile away. So this freshwater spring that's always bubbling with clean, fresh water pressurizes into my house so I have water. If we lose power, you know where you need to come. Come to my house and we'll have endless water. <laughs> but, but what would you rather? Would you rather fresh flowing spring water that is pouring out, or would you rather dank, stale, dark cistern water? Right? I mean, the, the, it's, it, I'm saying something. Of course, you know the answer to that. Well, the interesting thing in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, Jeremiah, again, remember, he's speaking what's on God's heart and mind. And I, I love, that's why I love the, the uh, prophetic books because, or from the prophets, because sometimes I like to know what God thinks. And yes, I can pray and I can hear from the Holy Spirit and that's fine. But I, I like to, because God never changes from yesterday, today and forever, right? He's, he's constant. He's consistent. So I love to read some things that he was talking about um, the, the Israelites at the time. So he's referring to the Israelites in Jerusalem. And this is right before they go into exile, God is always about chasing after people to be in relationship with him. And when we don't pursue him or when we don't follow him, our own natural bent of sin and selfishness leads us into a place of captivity. It always happens. Our, we lose our freedom and, and we go into this place of that we find greater uh, bondage and God's always trying to draw us close. But this is what he says in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. When I think, like, whenever they say a number of how many, I like us, like, my ears perk up. It's like, oh, two evils. What were the evils in that time? What were those people doing that God would say he has a problem with? And this is what he says. Number one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. That's one statement. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. So he's defining himself as living water. And we know that he's actually referring to Jesus as well, that Jesus Christ, he is our water. Remember the woman at the well. You're thirsting for something that you can't find. You need to thirst. Don't thirst any longer. Come to me. I will give you fresh living water. So first one is they've forsaken the fountain of living water. They've walked away from the very thing that brought them life. Number two, they hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that have, that can hold no water. So I, I think this is interesting. They've hewn out cisterns. So in other words, they've forsaken the spring, the natural water, the, the flowing of water, and they then decide to take matters in their own hands. They know they need water, but then they start laboring and digging cisterns. But the interesting thing, those cisterns wouldn't hold water. I want to encourage us today that, that that word for 
the people of Israel is also the word for us today that we have a choice to whether or not we keep going back to the spring of Jesus and his spirit, the well-watered places where, where Jesus resides. And I'm talking about the spiritual places. But that becomes the fountain of living water where it's going to satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. Each one of you here today has these desires, these passions, and, and, and many times without Jesus, we chase, chase, chase. But what we're finding is then we become like cisterns that can't hold water because the things that we're going after, the things that would, we think would refresh us and give us life actually are nothing. All it is is tiresome work. Do you imagine that building cisterns, digging cisterns, that don't hold any water, it seems futile, right? Dig, 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 build, 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 and all of a sudden they realize, well, the very thing that we thought would refresh doesn't refresh. I was talking to somebody yesterday, we were just contemplating um, our, our, just our own personal lives of realizing that we've been given different gifts and skills and we've been at, done different things. I used to be in business and um, this person was part of the, the legal system and, and we were just talking about you know, our journey but then thinking about some of our friends that have pursued things that think that will give them satisfaction but they just keep for the pursuit and the pursuit and it's like a cistern that has cracked walls that can't contain the very thing that would, they thought would give them life. And today I want to encourage us to realize that, that if our pursuit goes somewhere other than including Jesus in it, it's going to be like you're a broken down cistern. Not only a stagnant still water, it's, there's like no water, it's running out. And it depletes you and your, and your effort to dig and dig and dig and try to contain this water. And it's just flowing out as fast as it's going in. And it's exhausting. And it leaves us depleted. But instead, he's saying, come to me, the fount of living water, the spring that will just kind of like pressurize in your life that will, you'll never thirst again. You know, I, I want to encourage us to realize that, and this is something I've, I've really been wrestling with, because where does my responsibility and God's responsibility meet? Where does my effort and God's effort in my life combine? And I'm coming more and more as I grow with the Lord, as I get a little bit older, I've realized that I still have relied a lot on my own strength, I think that's why we struggle with Sabbath as well. Sabbath is that day that without work that we give it to the Lord is because we somehow feel like I got to get this done. I got to get this done. And then we actually deplete ourselves. We're like the cistern that doesn't have any living water left in it. And we go, go, go. I think that's the way it is with our finances too. We, 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 we feel like we have to work so hard and we just never quite get enough, right? And then we say, hey, you know what? I really want to be generous with God, but then we get to the place where it's like, well, there's nothing to be generous with God. And in many ways, we flipped it the wrong way. We pay our bills, and then all of a sudden, we, we realize that we have nothing less for God. But maybe if we put God first in our life and then paid our bills. 
What if our Sabbath was the first day of the week and we're basically saying, I'm being restored and energized by you, God, that you are refreshing me the first day of the week, the Sabbath. And then my week begins as opposed to I'm exhausted at the back end of the week and I'm just barely getting through. And Sunday, I just need to you know, keep working or keep doing my thing as opposed to giving it to the Lord. You know, the interesting thing about saying we've given our lives to Jesus is we trust him with our, with our salvation, right? We've put all of our trust in him for, you know, I want to spend eternity with him in heaven, not hell. And, and yet we trust him with that, our very life, but we have a hard time trusting him in all the very practical things in life. Why is that? Why do we say, I actually trust you with my eternity, but then I don't trust him with my time, my finances, my job, my family, my whatever, the practical things in life. I want to remind you that self-effort brings empty results. But God's effort brings a full result, brings abundant results. And I know that is so hard because it takes faith. We don't always see it. That's what faith is, right? Believing in what we don't see. But God is is reminding us through Jeremiah that sometimes when we forsake the living water and we start going to our own effort to build cisterns, it leaves us depleted and we scratch our head and wonder why. When God tells us, you know, you want to have abundance, you want to have a full life, you want to have peace, you want to have prosperity, come to the very source that will give you that and he's faithful to give that to us. But here's the thing. Okay, so we maybe have been living a little off kilter sometimes. Maybe we have been trying to do too much on our own. Maybe we have been digging those empty cisterns that have left us depleted. But here's the good news. We find the good news in verse 9. It says, Therefore I still contend with you, declares the Lord. And with your children's children I will contend Man, I know you girls love to be pursued, but I think honestly, all of us want to be wanted. All of us want to be pursued. All of us want to know that somebody's fighting for us. And here's the interesting thing. Even though they've kind of wandered away from God, God is still contending for us. He hasn't given up. And I want to encourage you, he has not given up on you. He is fighting for you. He is contending for you. And he's drawing you closer to him. I agree with Soraya um, this morning that God is doing a new thing. In many ways, that new thing, that new wine involves a little bit of crushing. (laughs) It means giving up on something. It means having less effort towards the wrong things. It means being willing to say, you know what? My life is not my own. I give my life to him. I surrender. And when we surrender our lives to him, then we feel like, then we realize actually we're not giving something up. We're turning our lives over to the place of abundance where he does some of his best work through our lives, but it might require the process of dying to ourselves 
which might feel a little bit crushing sometimes. But what does it produce? If it's done with the Lord, it produces a new wine. It produces a new start, fresh things, newness. And so as this season, as a church, we're moving into one service next week with baptisms. Anybody here interested in being baptized next or next week? You've already kind of signed up for it. Anybody here yet? All right. Yes, there's one right there. I love it. Good job, Casey. Yeah, so I'd encourage you, if you've never been baptized, next Sunday is your day. And you're showing the world the work that Jesus has already done in your life. And I'm just so excited for that. I know for you type A personalities, this message for you is like, man, I got to scale it back. And God's designed you the way he has, but he's going to use your personality, um, not for go get them for yourself, but go get them for the Lord. Now, those other personalities, I don't even know what are the other types. We, we like to call out type A personalities, probably because I am one, but um, what are the other types out there? Type B? That sounds logical. Maybe a type C too. I don't know if you're, you're pulling my leg or not. <laughs> but those who are just kind of like, hey, let just life happen. That one also is dangerous because life will happen. But when you allow it to happen without God in the center, your pursuit of him, it will happen in ways that aren't so God-honoring and won't produce the things that God wants to produce in your life. I want to address the people who are watching online. We don't always get the chance to address you, and and I want to say thank you for being online today. Um, But know that you're a part of this church, and know that um, God's working in your life too. I do want to encourage you, though, be a part of a community. If you're far away, I understand, but if you're close by, we want to, and we're inviting you to be a part of what God is doing here in church. It's nothing quite like being in amongst uh, each other, right? You, you, you know the difference of when you're here on Sunday for the times you're not and just watching online. Uh, it's very significantly different, and God is doing something new and fresh. So I invite you to be a part of that. Self-effort effort brings empty, empty results. God's effort brings abundant results or full results. But I want to say I, I, I've been really fascinated with um, Oswald Chambers had a, a devotional called My Utmost for His Highest. And for some reason, I've been, I've been reading through that as well as journaling. Yeah, I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm doing uh, my journaling, then going through Rooted as well this summer. So it was like, I just feel like all my spare moments are going through something. But it's good because it's changing me. I'm growing. But he says this, when you are at your wit's end... You begin with God's wisdom. Or God begins with his wisdom. You see, I think sometimes we go, 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 and we think they're like, go, bless me, God, bless me, God, while I'm going, and we get to our wit's end, and, and when we get there, we realize that actually that's a really good place because then we turn it over to God and let his wisdom rule our life. And I want to encourage you that, that God has way greater interest in your life than you do. He designed you. He fashioned you. In Jeremiah, he speaks to this. You know, he formed us before, before we, something in the mother's womb. He knew us. Before he knitted you in the mother's womb, he foreknew us. He knew us. So in other words, this idea that he, he has purposed us to be alive for this season. 
Jeremiah 29, 11, I love that one. It's like, you know, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper, give you hope and a future. God has incredible plans for you, but we cannot receive the plans he has if we're trying to plan our own life. If we're trying to live our own life, our own way, and I would just say those who are going to college, I know it's a really formative time. I'm looking here and I'm looking here. I saw, and I think I saw somebody else standing right over here. Formative time where you're trying to um, determine what has God planned for your life. And it's very easy to allow your professors to tell you what to do. It's very easy to t- have the world say, hey, the job market is this to tell you what to do. But God has placed something inside of you that he's desiring to walk with you and see something come out of your life. So don't just get sucked into getting a job, making the money. Now, you do need to get a job and you do need to make some money, but pursue what Jesus is doing in your life, not just what the world is telling you to do. The worship team wants to come back up. I know for me that I have been on this journey and many times feel like the children of Israel who has turned my life over to God and then kind of get in the rhythm of things and then realize I become the master of my own ship. You don't intend to get there, but you just kind of get through the groove of living and your heart would still say, God, I love you. Thank you for saving me. But we've realized that we started, at least I did, I started living my own life as opposed to letting God live his life through me. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 4. I'm going to close with this. This is Jeremiah speaking, and he's speaking God's words. So what I'm saying right now is God speaking through Jeremiah, quoting him. What wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me? And went after worthless and became worthless. Isn't that interesting? That's, that's the picture of those cisterns that they thought were going to contain water, but they ended up just being having cracks that just didn't contain anything. It's, it's those pursuing the things that think that will satisfy us. The world has plenty of those things that we think would satisfy us. But God himself said it is, what, what, what went wrong with your fathers or what wrong did your fathers find in me? In other words, his heart is, do you realize what I have to give to you? God says. Do you realize the life I have for you? God says. But instead, you exchanged the life, the the flowing spring of living water for something that was dead and empty and stale and stagnant and didn't even hold, didn't even contain anything of any significance. It was worthless. So today, the reminder for us is that God, who's pursuing us, 
He contends for us. He's asking us to come close to him, to pursue him, to allow him to be the living water that satisfies in our life again. And he say, how do I do that? You do that by building a relationship with him, spending time with him, in devotion with him, plugging into church community, pursuing God, what do you have for my life? I'm tired of my own pursuits. God, what, are, what do you want me to pursue? And really it's allowing him to be the Lord of our life. Keeping short accounts. You know, I, I wonder if we've lost some of our time of prayer in these times of confession. I, I, one thing I appreciate about the Catholic Church was the confession was a part. Now, mind you, sometimes they made you feel guilty all the time, but, but there was this regular place of confession. I think what confession has the potential of doing is in the right way, is coming before God. You don't, by the way, you don't need a priest to confess. You can go directly to God. And just, you're basically acknowledging where you've gone off track a little bit. And you're coming clean with God who already knows and sees everything, but it's posturing our heart in a way to say, God, I acknowledge that I've gone off track a little bit and I want to come back on track. That's what confession does. It's not confessing so you can keep on sinning. It's confessing. And by the way, repentance is this, to turn the opposite direction. But coming back underneath Jesus' lordship and saying, Jesus, here am I. I want you to fill every crevice of my being with your living water that gives me life and fullness acknowledging that there might be a little crushing in the process. He doesn't crush us, but, but it feels like when we become changed on the inside, it brings us to a better place of humility, and that humility allows a posture to receive from God. So I wish I didn't have to go through all those crushing times, but I also say I am so glad for all those crushing times. <laughs> because on the back end of it is new wine. Fresh water, spring water. The water's my soul. Father, I just thank you so much for this word and encouragement this morning. Let us not be satisfied with stagnant cistern water. Let our effort not be putting into building cisterns that really are worthless cisterns that leak but let us put our attention to you Lord Jesus the place where there is fresh water fresh spring water that waters our soul that gives us life that nurtures us we find joy and peace contentment that only you can bring Jesus. Father, for those who struggle right now, who struggle with addiction, for those who struggle um, with self-worth, for those who struggle with work, 
for those who struggle with needing to make it happen in their own way, their own agenda. Those who have a hard time slowing down to pause, to reflect, to allow you to be the Lord. Jesus, I pray for healing. I pray for recognition. I pray for repentance. God, I'm the first one to to say that I am still a work in progress. Help me not to rely on self-effort. Help me to rely only on your Holy Spirit. To guide, to shape, to move. Let me posture myself once again under your Lordship. Thank you for your pursuit of us, God, that you contend for us. Even when we wander away, even when we do it on our own, you're there to pursue us and beckon us and call us back into that relationship so you can take the burden, so you can take the effort, so you can take all those things that we've been trying to do on our own. And you say, would you just let me love you? Pour my fresh water of my spirit inside of you that we would receive your presence, your ways, your kingdom ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with Grace Capital Church to impact the communities around you, please join us at gccnh.com forward slash partners.